1: A great good afternoon to you and yours on a beautiful Chamber of Commerce Thursday, April twentieth, the year twenty twenty three. One week away from the NFL draft, a couple of days away from an LSU spring game, the NBA playoffs continue in earnest, and LSU baseball starts a easier stretch. In the SEC, taking on teams not ranked in the top 25. All these topics and more coming your way. As my main man, James Mesh. Couldn't do it without him. Sitting in that producer's chair inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's right there on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head I-10 West, you'll find KLCJ, 1041 Lake Charles. Thrilled to be with them. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, heck, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and one thirty three on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: NBA playoffs last night. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies without Ja Morant beat the LA Lakers 103-93. to The Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo beat the Miami Heat 138-122. to Um, Both of those series, Lakers-Grizzlies, Heat-Bucks tied at a game apiece, and the Denver Nuggets took a commanding two-zip lead over the Minnesota Timberwolves with a 122-113 win last night. Three games on tap tonight. The 76ers head to Brooklyn and take on the Nets. Philly with a two-zip lead in that series. It's all tied a game apiece, Phoenix, and the L.A. Clippers as the scene shifts to Los Angeles for Game 3 tonight. And Game 3, in the city by the bays, the Golden State Warriors trail the Sacramento Kings two games to zip. No Draymond Green tonight. Um, will that unify the Warriors? Or will it not? Time she will a tell for sure. Um, Spring football game at LSU had its last spring football practice this morning. Uh, They will have their annual spring game this Saturday, um, one o'clock. Admission is free to all seating. Uh, All seating will be general admission. It'll be on the west sidelines. Gates to Tiger Stadium will open at noon. Um, So, if you're interested in the LSU spring game, it's free. Just go and enjoy. As for the game's format, LSU's press release states it will feature an offense versus defense scrimmage as opposed to two complete teams as well as having some work on special teams. So, uh, you're down in manpower. You make amends, you make do with what you can do. Um, we will talk with uh, Wilson Alexander um, at about 2.30 this afternoon um, with, I believe, I believe the best quarterback in the SEC and quite possibly could be the best quarterback in the country in Jaden Daniels. He... Um, made tremendous strides last year after after arriving on campus, uh, learning a new system, and uh, growing and developing along the way. He has got the same coaches coming back. LSU always has NFL talent at the skill positions, and he has an offensive line coming back that is – going to be really, really good, and it's going to have a lot of depth. One of the big game plans for Jaden Daniels, not worried about on the field, was off the field, and that was to get stronger and to get heavier. It's believed he's uh, the number floating around there is 207 pounds, which is 10 pounds heavier than he was a season ago. Uh, Remember, he ran for nearly 3,000, he threw for really for nearly 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. He ran for nearly 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. So responsible for 28 touchdowns and close to, and right at 4,000 yards of offense. That's that's pretty good. I think he's going to get even better, and I think that's part of the the confidence that you see with LSU football. So we'll deal with that. Um, LSU baseball, uh, they are traveling today. They're heading to Oxford, Mississippi for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tilt. Um, LSU still ranked number one in the country. Um, They've come out with um, the midseason, if you want to call it, um, field of 64, LSU is projected to be the number one overall seed at this point in time. And according to Kendall Rogers, um, LSU would host incarnate word UT, San Antonio and Oregon state in a regional here. So there you go. We found out some things from, um, from the Kentucky series, Uh, Paul Skeens. Told the media that he was totally thrown off guard by the amount of trash talking Kentucky was doing uh, during his start last Thursday. He said they were they were chirping, they were they were looking at me, chirping at me. So I just looked back at them um, when the umpire pulled Skeens aside as the trash talking increased. Skeen said the ump told him not to look at Kentucky's bench. Skeen said, well, they're looking at me, you know, um, they're going to, I'm going to look back at them. So they were tracking who was instigating all of this. Paul Skeen says a little bit weird. So not only is there trash talking in basketball, there is complete trash talking all over the place, all over the place. Zurich open is, uh, is underway in New Orleans. The, the 80. Uh, two t- two-man teams uh are out there and uh we'll get you an update uh on that um as as it progresses but uh should be should be a lot of fun uh weather is perfect for it and um right now some let's see let's see what this says here um well it uh, Keith Mitchell, Sungjae J M are at 10 under. The Fitzpatrick brothers are at 10 under. David Lipsky, Aaron Rye at 9 under. The team of Sam Ryder and Doc Redman are at 8 under. Um, Justin Sue and Sahit Thigala are 9 under. So, you know, they're going to be great scoring in this thing, uh, without doubt, and some of the big bigger names. Um, Billy Horschel, Sam Burns are in the clubhouse They are at eight under par for the day. So right now the leaderboard stands at 10 under par. So low scores coming, low scores coming throughout the week. And that's, that is always, always a good, good time. Um, we talked about LSU baseball, and we'll talk with Leah van about that as they head to, um, Oxford uh, it appears LSU's getting healthier. We'll update all of that with her. Um, a very important series coming up for the Tigers. So yeah, you know, let, let's let's go over our guest list. Leah Van, as I said, talking LSU baseball. Wilson Alexander around two thirty talking LSU football. Spring football game on Saturday. Uh, the draft is one week away. In hour number two, Ross Jackson will join us from the Saints News Network. And he'll share his thoughts. And the more and more and more I think about this, um, go get the best player out there. You can't I don't care what the position go get the best player, the highest rated player on your board, and you'll figure it out from there. I hope, I hope it's an edge rusher. I hope they find somebody that can affect the quarterback. Everybody talks about run stoppers and all this. How many, How often do teams actually run the football in the NFL? They throw the ball all the time. Get me somebody that can affect the quarterback. I got linebackers. I got people that can, they, they'll handle the running game. Give me guys that can affect the quarterback. That's what I want. That's what I want. So we'll uh, talk with Ross Jackson about that. A little talk, more talk about the NBA playoffs. And Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports joins us each and every Thursday and gives us his NFL perspective. There's more and more rumors going around. And of course, that, this is the rumor time that CJ Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State, is falling downward. Will Levis, the quarterback of Kentucky, is moving upward. And we'll see. We'll see just how many quarterbacks go in the first four or five picks. Or are teams going, as I said, go for the best player. Go for the sure fired, what you believe is going to be the sure fired difference maker for your club. It's great to draft a quarterback, but if that quarterback's no good, you're going to get fired, <laughs> plain and simple. So we'll see what these teams do. A lot of pressure in the NFL draft. So there's your headlines for the day. We'll take our first time out of the day when we return. LSU Baseball Talk, Leah Van of The Advocate, next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Border Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man-cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and & Granite and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: All right, we are back and uh, thankful to have our next guest who is somewhere heading up um, a little north uh, to get to Oxford, Mississippi, as she covers LSU baseball for The Advocate. Does a great job. Leah Van. Kind enough to join us. You can follow her on Twitter at L Van, V A N N underscore sports. Leah, thanks for the time. How's the ride? You know, I thought I would leave a lot earlier, and I am
2: still finishing up my Paul Skeen story, so I have not left yet. (laughs) It's going to be a very late drive through the darkness of Mississippi, I guess.
1: Oh, gosh. Be careful on those two-lane highways. Um, uh, But I greatly appreciate the time, uh, even though you're working on a story where... uh, You tell me, what do you make of this? When Paul Skeen said quote i don't think they'll be throwing a lot of beer this weekend i love it what did you make of it
2: i think i think what is so funny about it is that paul is the most professional person you will ever meet in your life and the way he says it like he was like oh i think it's a cool tradition but i don't think they're going to be throwing a lot of beer this weekend and it's like you read the quote and you're like man that's like savage right but you know? If you watch him say it, you're like, this is, like, kind of innocent. So, it, I mean, it was definitely, like, the tone is never conveyed well when you read it. Um, right. But I think it says a lot about his confidence. Like, he's just a very confident guy, and he knows what he's capable of. And But he's also not going to be – he's not an egotistic guy either, you know. Um, exactly. And I hope that people understand that after they read this story. But I think, you know, as a pitcher, confidence is also extremely important. And he can back yeah. it up.
1: So, yes, yeah. he has definitely backed it up. I, I, this is just my interpretation. I look at schemes and I'm going, okay, th- that's a win. That's good. All right. And then you yes, go to you Saturday know, it's and you funny.
2: go. T- like, again, I think he sneaks in like these little tiny comments every once in a while, like an A&M member or talk to him. And I was like, yo, how was you like, pitching in your first SEC road game? He's like, honestly, I didn't think it was that loud. And it wasn't like something that. He meant to offend people. He just like
1: mm-hmm.
2: genuinely, like innocently thought, Oh yeah, like I really just like I heard all this stuff about Anem being super loud and super raucous and like it really wasn't that loud to me. So it was kind of an innocent jab, but you know, that's just who he is.
1: And and now he's uh he's a full blown member of the SEC because Kentucky's trash talking at him and, and saying things to him from the dugout. So welcome to the league.
2: <laughs> yeah, indeed.
1: I mean, goodness gracious, didn't affect him at all. But I, I look at him and he's he's been great. Um and then I go, Ty Floyd, okay, I feel pretty good about that. I'm not mm. And then after that, I just like, okay, what what do we got? So once again, it seems like every year when the LSU baseball, it always comes down to pitching, and we ex we, we think it's gonna be great, and then things happen and injuries happen, and and now Now you're getting toward the back end of this season and you're going, oh gosh, what, what do we have in this pitching staff? What, uh, what's the general consensus there?
2: Yeah. And I think with Ty Floyd, like it's kind of hard for him to follow up schemes right every week. So it's like his Mm -hmm. outings have not been bad. Like he, and he tends to settle into the game after like the second or third inning and do very well. Um, You know, although he's faltered a couple of times, I I still think he's a very strong SEC starting pitcher. Um, As far as the bullpen goes, it's obviously the main concern for everybody is the depth of this team, right? And you're not going to have Chase Shores. You're not going to have Garrett Edwards, at least this weekend. And that's what's been reported um, as we await for answers on their injuries. But then you're also returning Javen Coleman, which we saw had two strikeouts and Tired all batters he faced um, in the first inning on 16 pitches on the other night against UL, and then you've also got guys like Bryce Collins who are really working his way up and back to back into his groove that we know he's capable of pitching. And his curveball is something that is a different look for guys and is going to, you know, throw hitters off balance, right? And then you've got Griffin Herring, the freshman lefty, which of course it's always it's like last year. LSU essentially had one to two lefties, right? They had Riley Cooper, who they also still have this year, who could come in, especially in those situational um, at bats against a left handed batter or, you know, a switch hitter, and he can get them out, um, which is what he's been doing the past two SEC series. He's also incredibly durable. But last year, it was just Cooper and Jacob Hasty, who really didn't come on the scene until really late in the season. Obviously, Hasty's at Missouri now. But now you've got Griffin Herring, who was one of the top left-handers in the state of Texas who's really doing well as a freshman. And then you've got, you know, Javen Coleman coming back. So you've got a couple of guys who will provide different looks for this team. And then, you know, you still have, um, gosh, I'm blanking. There's just so many, you know, I still think so you many. still have a Gavin Gidry right. too. And he's also yeah. kind of working his way up, adding and extending more innings. So I think there's still like a level of confidence you can have in this bullpen. So it is a little bit concerning that, you know, the two transfers, Christian Little and Thatcher Hurt, haven't really found their sweet spot yet. I think Christian Little right. had, you know, he definitely operates better as a starting pitcher like he did last weekend. He had a good couple innings and then kind of lost it there, I think, in the fourth. Um, but then Thatcher Hurt has been kind of in his head, you know, unable to throw yeah. strikes consistently. And But if you get him to the level of where he should be because he has the stuff that we all know he's capable of throwing – as long as he throws strikes towards the end of the season, I think LSU is still on track to meet the expectations that they had in the preseason.
1: That is the key. You hit the nail on the head. As as far as my eyes and mind are concerned, the talent is there and they consistently throw strikes. They don't have to strike people out, throw strikes, let your defense play behind you, which brings up another um, situation. This was the best defensive team Maybe in the country for a while, and all of a sudden, uh, it's quickly fallen in the opposite direction. Um, I know they're working on it. Is that just another one of those mind over matter things?
2: Um, so first off, I actually talked to Mikey Montuk yesterday about the outfield situation the other night that we saw um, okay. against all right. UL, um when two fly when you know Trey Morgan and Dylan Cruz, which you never see Dylan Cruz miss anything kind of lost two fly balls that ended up falling for doubles and scored um, a run. in I don't remember which inning it was. But the reason that happened is outfielders, and outfielders won't make excuses, they won't tell you this, but, like, the twilight is the hardest time of night no to doubt. see a ball. Yeah. And so that was kind of like, yes, you can work on it, but to a, to a degree that was just like a bad luck kind of situation. Um, as far as as far as like Braden Joe Bear overrunning a fly ball in the outfield, otherwise he's played pretty solid in that position. You can say the same about Trey Morgan who caught that foul ball over in the stands this weekend too against Kentucky. I think as far as the infield goes, yeah, they've got to clean up the PFPS, which I think they had two pitching errors the other night um, against UL, and that's the kind of stuff that like man, you just gotta you just gotta fix right. And I think that's an easy fix. Um, LSU has been pretty good at PFP plays this season, except for like the other night. So I think it's a little bit of an anomaly. Kentucky was also a small ball team. So you think back to last weekend with, uh, you know, there was an error at third base by Tommy White that I think, you know, got a runner on base rather than, you know, kind of closing the inning. Yeah, those are crucial errors that come at the wrong time. Um, otherwise the other error in the game didn't end up coming around to bite them for a score. And so I, you think about it like, yes, It hasn't been as clean, but you have to look more closely at the situations to really identify if this is a problem like it was last year or if it's just been kind of a weird streak.
1: Makes perfect sense. Well said, Leah Van. You mentioned uh, Joe Bear. Um, Is he the uh, Serrano of this major league LSU team with the with the Joe Boo? I mean, that's that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Have they taken it to to that extreme? I mean, tell me about it.
2: Yeah. So, um, Brayden is a very superstitious baseball player and so was his dad, actually. So I think it's just a family thing, but yeah, I mean, his dad bought him that statue. Actually, when he was at Delgado, he was kind of having a hard time at the plate. And also Delgado had just like lost four straight games on the road. And so he was like, you know, originally he got the, his dad got the statue for himself because he liked to collect that kind of memorabilia. But then he was like, maybe I'll give it to Braden. And Brayden at first was like, this is weird. Stuck it in his backpack. Then he hit two home runs that night. And so then it was like, uh-huh. oh, let's buy into it. And all of a sudden it became a staple of the Delgado dugout. Um, but, of course, that statue got a little beat up because Delgado gave it a lot of love as it went on like a huge winning streak. Um, So then he got a new one when he came to LSU, but he kept it in his locker last year. This year, starting in the fall, he moved it to the dugout. And so now some of his teammates, like Cade Beloso, have kind of bought into it. And then the other ones are kind of like, yeah, it's there, it's weird, whatever, it's kind of a Joe Bear thing. So I thought it was just like a fun story, you know, obviously paying homage to a classic baseball movie that we all love.
0: I love it.
1: I absolutely love it. Just don't sacrifice a chicken. Uh, go buy the fried chicken, uh, please. Leah Van with from The Advocate. The other thing I, I noticed was, um, you know, baseball players wear sleeves under their shirts, and LSU's wearing some pink ones. What's the story behind that one?
2: Again, Braden Bear, just call him a dugout guy. Um, you know, he, <laughs> bought, he bought a couple of them because obviously, and I wrote about this last year, but. He does pay homage to his grandmother before every at bat by drawing, um, I think, her initials in the sa- in the sand when he approaches the plate. Um, and so, he bought them this year, thinking like, oh, like she died of breast cancer. This is a good way to also like pay homage to like the grandmother that he loved so much. He had a really close relationship with her, um, and she was a huge baseball fan. But um, when he bought them, like. I think, like, Tommy White and Jordan Thompson kind of were like, oh, like, these look cool. And so Tommy, you know him. He's wearing, like, so many gold chains when he plays. He's kind of a flashy-looking guy, even though he's a very quiet guy. And so when we talked to him, I was like, yeah, I thought it looked cool. I'm just going to, like, wear it, you know? I just kind of asked Braden if I could have one. And then Jordan was like, oh, you know, like, this is, like, a cool color, but also maybe I can like show my mom that, you know, I'm thinking of her and when I'm on the field and kind of like dedicate it to her. So everybody's kind of like chosen it for different reasons. Um, It does look pretty cool out there. Yeah.
1: It's kind of nice that Jake Johnson allows that. There's a lot of managers, managers, coaches, that won't allow stuff like that. So he gives them that freedom and that flexibility. And that's a good thing. It seems like a very close knit, fun kind of a team Speaking of the team, I'll let you get out after this one and finish your story. What's the report on Gavin Dugas? He's so important. You um, think? I mean, is it getting closer and closer for him to be to be back on the field again?
2: Yeah. Again, Jave was saying that he did take some ground balls yesterday. Obviously, what we saw was he he like fell funny, popped his shoulder out right. of place, but it popped back in. MRI was clean. There's nothing structurally wrong with his shoulder, but. It's a pain tolerance. It's a day-to-day thing. And Gavin, we all know, is probably one of the toughest players on the team when it comes to playing through injury because he's had to do it his entire career. Um, So I think Jay is like, we'll put him in if it's smart, right? Um, He still wants to be very careful. I don't know if we'll see him this weekend except for maybe a pinch hitter situation. Um, But I think he could for sure be back next week or the week after.
1: That sounds great. Look, uh, safe travels tonight. Be careful and uh, go to the square. They've got some really cool little restaurants and little uh, little bars there. It's it's a fun little place. Uh, Oxford's pretty cool. Uh, you'll enjoy it. I know you've been there, but you'll enjoy it. So be safe. And thank you, as always, uh, for making some time for us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one.
1: All right, Leah Van of The Advocate, kind enough to join us. We'll take a quick time out here. When we return, we'll stick with The Advocate. We'll talk LSU football with Wilson Alexander next.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: If you haven't seen the defending world champs in person yet, don't worry, because the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations, all on Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshire, AC, Le Meridian, Houston, Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: All right, we are back at 36 minutes after the hour. The old proverbial saying, "The hay's in the barn." LSU had their last spring football practice this morning, Saturday. They'll wrap things up with the annual spring game. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate, kind enough to join us. He covers LSU football and a myriad of things, and uh, he's been there for every practice session, every post-practice interview, and he's going to shed, shed some light on the subject. Wilson, how you holding up, man? How are you making it through all this?
3: I'm doing well. It's been a pretty chill spring by LSU football standards.
1: Yeah. That, you know why, don't you? Because... We don't have a quarterback controversy. We got an established quarterback. and all seems right in Tigertown, don't you think?
3: Absolutely. That certainly takes the intrigue out of a spring when you don't have a quarterback battle of, of really any kind. Garrett Nussmeyer got first team reps. Uh, Brian Kelly wanted to have an open mind with that, but there was nothing to really change in the pecking order. Jaden Daniels is QB1, um, and barring something that, that happens in the preseason, uh, he will be, you know, next year, um, and and they feel good about where he's at right now too.
1: Um, Ryan Kelly went so far as to say he thinks that uh, Daniels can be the best quarterback not only in the SEC but in the entire country. That shows the level of confidence he has in
0: him.
3: It does, and you know, Brian Kelly wanted to see three things out of Jaden Daniels this spring. he wanted to see growth as a leader, and just sort of continued to do the, to step into that as as the starting quarterback. Jaden is a little bit of a quiet guy, and they wanted to him to really show that he is the face of this offense and of this team really as a whole. And then he wanted to see uh, you know, added size. As a running quarterback, he needed to get a little bit bigger, put on a little bit more muscle to sustain the hits that he will naturally take. And then number three was improvement as a downfield passer. And Kelly has basically said this week in a few interviews, you know, both with us at practice and uh, yesterday on another radio show, um, that that Jaden has checked all of those boxes. That uh, he has added ten pounds, he's over two hundred and ten uh, now, and you can see it too. When whenever you are, uh, practice, that he certainly looks muscular, looks bigger. Um, he is Brian Kelly. You know, gave some examples of leadership. You know, today and that you know he'll be with the freshman tight ends and tell them exactly what he needs on routes. And that you know when him and Malik Neighbors are talking, there's just sort of an added uh, level of chemistry that they that needed to have, have time to build together, and that it's really showing up here in the spring. And then as a the downfield passer, Mike Dimbrock has said, and, and Kelly supported this, um, that he's made a lot of strides there as well. You know, it's been a big focus of the spring is to expand that vertical passing game. And they think that Jaden has gotten a lot better in that area, and he'll continue to do so, they think, over the course of the summer.
1: Who's he going to throw to? I know Malik Neighbors is going to be there. I believe Brian Thomas is going to be there. Who else has stepped up? Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of newcomers coming in that – whether it be their injury or their summer enrollees, uh, they may get into the swing of things. But but how is the pecking order in the receiver room?
3: Well, right now, uh, Kyron Lacy, former Raging Cajun, is number, the number three receiver, uh, okay. along with neighbors and Brian Thomas. And Thomas needed to kind of step up as well and have a good spring. And, and it by all, by all indications, he has. You know He's been a, a solid player for them for a couple of years, but they want him to really make, take that next step to be an elite receiver. So he's there too. But then Kyron Lacey's kind of that new name. After being more of a rotational guy last year, Brian Kelly said today, he's really done a good job of improving his emotional control, not being as up and down uh, and a lot more steady. And so you know he's got a good size at 6'2 and 212 pounds, and um, he's been the number three receiver this spring, and they like what they've seen out of him. It's, it's encouraging for him as he heads into the summer. Um, but of course, you know Alabama transfer Aaron Anderson. That he's not at practicing this spring is because he had a knee procedure done. Uh, he's going to be firmly in the mix um, and expected to probably contribute in some way, um, uh, certainly as a returner um, once he's healthy again. And then you've got some freshmen. You know, Kyle Parker um, has had a strong spring. Jalen Brown, they like what they've seen out of him, and he brings a speed element um and then also would be would be remiss not to mention chris hilton you've seen him more with the second team when we've been out there this spring um but he's finally healthy for the first time in a while and he's been working on the outside and, and he's part of that rotation as well that's the thing about lsu it's going to rotate receivers um but that's kind of where it stands right now
1: it's great news on uh karen lacy that's terrific they um the more, the merrier tight ends. Another position we saw the the freshman from a year ago and Mason Taylor, uh, who's been out this spring with the shoulder. Um, do they have the depth is are they happy with their depth? They got a couple of freshmen. They've got a, a summer enrollee coming or do you think the portal is going to be hit for some depth along that line?
3: They are encouraged by what they've seen out of freshmen Jackson McGohan and Max Markway this spring. That uh, Brian Kelly said earlier in practice um, that they have been, quote, more than we expected. Um, Mark Markway looks like somebody at 6'4", and a muscular 6'4", that he can contribute early on as a run blocker in those multiple tight end sets that LFC likes to use. McGohan needs another year in the weight room, Mike Dinbrock said, to really develop as a blocker. But he's got some promise as a pass catcher, and they're really excited – about what Tomorian Pimpton brings, he's a summer enrollee, but he's six six, wide catch radius, super athletic, and exciting prospect as a tight end. They ended up flipping uh, right around, you know, right on si- early at the early signing period, um, and so he could end up, you know, fitting in in some situations. You know, you think about the red zone, other areas where you need a really tall, uh, dynamic pass catcher. Um, but they are also looking in the transfer portal for a tight end. This is a need and a thing, you know, that for them really dating back to last year a transfer tight end and they're continuing to do so it's hard to find the right kind of fit because they would need a veteran um to kind of bridge the gap to these freshmen they don't want to close off the path that's playing time for them Um, but if they can find a really serious upgrade at tight end or something you know a a person who can contribute um and with a couple years left um then they would try to try to you know sign that person uh, but it's got to be the right one
1: the running back room. Uh, you've got some veterans and Josh Williams. Noah Cain's gotten a lot of reps with with a lot of these running backs that are out. The transfer from Penn State, uh, John Emery. Uh, academics once again. We, we the, the jury's out on whether he's going to be available or not. Um, I thought Armani Goodwin showed some flashes, but you know he's been you know you got to be available. You got to be ready to go, and then you got a couple of freshmen and Trey Holly and Caleb Jackson. What is the feel? Of, of this running back room? Well, it's kind
3: of murky, and we won't have a lot of sort of clarity on it until preseason camp when more of these guys are available. Uh, mm-hmm. But either way, it's probably going to shake out as a rotation like LSU had last year. Uh, you hope to get more production from the group and that it's just sort of an improved across the board and you have more maybe complete backs instead of really having to use them situationally. Um, but there's still not that really... Singular lead running back like LSU used to have for so many
1: years. It's right. going to
3: be kind of a, a a rotation, a running back by committee uh, with six guys right now that they have on scholarship.
1: He is Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. They say in the SEC, you win in the trenches. Is it safe to say that LSU's offensive line position group is the strength of this football team? They got a lot of guys coming back, and they got two freshmen who are now sophomores. That started last year. Uh, is it safe to say, make that assessment? This is the strength of the club.
3: You could, I think, you could make an argument that it is one of the strengths. I would actually think that maybe defensive line could be stronger than the offensive okay. line, even wow. though there maybe aren't as many proven uh, things in the defensive line. There's a lot to like about that group, and they feel really good about it. But on the offensive side. You know, I say maybe not the strongest, simply because the depth isn't uh, where LSU would like it to be. There's guys coming, but they're going to be really young, and so if you have a few injuries, then you might be in a tough spot. But on the first team, it is it is a strong group, and there's continuity there, um, and there's a lot to like about what else you have. When you go left to right, Will Campbell, Garrett Dellinger, uh, a center battle that's going to be coming between Charles Turner and Marlon Martinez, and then you know either one is probably a, a solid option. And then Miles Frazier at right guard and Emory Jones at right tackle. Uh, there's a lot to like about that, and they have that continuity. And it's one of the other reasons that LSU there's so much optimism around this offense right now is because of all the returners on that offensive line.
1: And you've got some summer enroll- enrollees, the transfer Mason Lunsford, and then the highly heralded freshman Zalance Hurd. I mean, you know, Will Campbell and Emory Jones both started as freshmen. Zaylin's Heard made, has made it well-known. He, he's coming into to play and play right away. So those are two guys that, um, that that's a nice luxury to have if they pan out as expected.
3: Zaylin's Heard told Brian Kelly that pretty early on, what you're referencing there was in the recruiting process, that he wants to play left tackle. And Brian Kelly's like, well, we've got a really good left tackle. And Will Campbell, your former high school teammate. And he goes, I know. I want to play left tackle. That's just the confidence that he has. You know he's somebody who believes he can play early. Uh, he, you know, he's a five-star, the highest-rated guy in LSU's class. So there's a good chance that he will push for time uh, and maybe try to maybe make LSU shuffle things on the offensive line and possibly fit in as a right tackle and maybe Emory Jones kicks inside as a guard, which is kind of what he projected more as at the college level. And so, mm-hmm. but we'll have to see once we get into preseason camp and Brad Davis actually gets eyes on those guys and and that kind of thing with Mason Lunsford. He could also be a starter. I mean, he he did so at Maryland. That might not be the yeah. same level as the SEC, so he's got to prove it. But he start has a lot, over twenty games of uh, starting experience, and if at the very least, he's a quality depth piece.
1: No question, uh, Wilson Alexander. So we're going to have kind of a basically a scrimmage. Everybody's going to be on one side of the field. Uh, not enough depth and players to to do a, a purple versus gold or whatever you want to do. Uh, How uh, how do you think Brian Kelly is going to spice this thing up a little bit and make it interesting for the fans?
3: Well, at the start, I don't know how much this really moves the needle for people, but at the start, they're going to do some special teams work that They want to get in at the beginning of practice at the, me, at the beginning of the scrimmage, you know, and maybe it'll maybe they'll be able to give some create some optimism that special teams are in a better place than <laughs> yeah. they were last year. Wilson and then can they just they'll go into
1: can they well, can they please put stick them on their hands and just catch the ball first and <laughs> foremost, please
3: exactly exactly as long and that's what Brian Kelly thought was the main problem on special teams was just not having was having way too many drop returns, um, and so we'll see. If, you know, Aaron Anderson is still probably the biggest. Uh, name as a returner, but he's not going to be out there. Uh, but they got some other guys, Kyle Parker, a freshman, in, to keep an eye on as a returner. Um, so that, that, that'll be one thing that's a little bit different, maybe. And then uh, right at the beginning, they'll also do what they call the blue zone, which is right around the goal line, get some goal line work, which Brian Kelly said is sometimes tough to get in a spring game. He wants to focus on that uh, right before they go into the offense versus defense scrimmage.
1: I bet you the first play when they go offense versus defense scrimmage, Jaden Daniels fires it that deep down the field to Malik Neighbors, showing that long ball they've been working on. How much you want to bet on that?
3: Ooh, that's a, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too surprised. But either way, whatever it is, it will be kind of vanilla, of course, it being in a spring game, yeah. but. It would be a, right. a statement, I think, from Mike Denbrock if right out of the gate they start trying to push the ball downfield and do some of the different things that they want to do in the vertical passing game. Um, another thing to keep an eye on is just what the routes look like. LSU, a big thing for them this year is getting receivers turned upfield after the catch um, and using routes that don't have their back to the goal line. So uh, that's going to be something yeah. I'm watching for as well is how much of that we actually see in a spring game that is, of course, always stripped down schematically. Right
1: right no question about that you get the sense that Brian Kelly's really comfortable in his skin he's really comfortable in his environment he's really comfortable that he's got his his way of doing things in place so they've actually been able to do more work field work rather than okay look this is how we from one drill to the next this is what we do we sprint here we sprint all those kind of things it just seems like uh He's very confident in himself, his staff, and most importantly, in his team as they approach year number two. He's always
3: had that confidence uh, as being a head coach now for 30 years. And that's just sort of the way he's wired. He's always sort of had that confidence, certainly since I've been around him uh, down here at LSU. But like you're saying, here in year two, there isn't as much talk from him about culture and setting standards and having to do that sort of base foundational work. That he did last year, and you hear the same thing from just talking to other people on the program that things are much more settled. The coaching staff knows what it's doing, and, and there's uh, there's less questions that have to be answered that would that don't even have don't even really relate to football. Now, they to be right. fair, they still had to do some of that this spring because there were you know there are 12 transfers who they've signed. Eleven of them are on campus right now, and a lot of them, especially on the defensive side, are going to be playing. Um, there was still some of that what Brian Kelly called putting on another layer of paint on the foundation. To, in order to make sure that these new guys who've come in and all these new freshmen, because a lot of this roster has turned over, understands how LSU wants things to be done. Um, but you've already got a lot of guys in place who are used to that as well, and that helps You know, as you go into year two here. Uh, and it's much more about adding depth to the program and developing things instead of just starting the program from scratch.
1: One last one. Um, this is the time when you, know, you play your last spring game, and this is when that portal is open, and you wonder... And anticipate: Is LSU going to lose some players after this spring game? I would say, I would say it's inevitable that somebody's going to enter the portal. Do you feel that way? And do you think it's going to be few, multiple, many? What do you
0: think?
3: I don't have an exact gauge on how many guys will leave. Um, obviously, nobody has yet, which is a, a good sign. Anybody could have right. starting April fifteenth. Um, we'll kind of have to just see it play out. Um, you know throughout the next uh, week or so exactly how many guys end up wanting to leave um, but there's so many who are fighting for playing time that anybody who does leave would be more likely for you know further down the roster who doesn't have a clear path onto the field um, right. and you know one good thing though is that Marlon Martinez who was somebody who seemed like he might be thinking about transferring and he, he was thinking about transferring earlier this year mm-hmm. you know he said that already that he's gonna stay and so that's an encouraging thing that's Um good. I think it's more focused, though, on who LSU ends up adding. I'd be surprised if they lost a ton of people, um, but we'll kind of just have to see how it shakes out
1: over the next week or so. You're the best, Wilson Alexander, for all your um, wants for LSU football. Just follow him. He's in the advocate. He does a great job. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I hope you get some time off after this spring game and rest a little bit.
3: I appreciate that, Jerry. We'll, you know, we'll get through the draft, you know, and then we'll maybe get some uh, time off.
1: Who's the first LSU player drafted? Is it B.J. BJ O'Gillari? Gillari? Okay, that's what I thought. Thank you, Wilson.
3: Thank you. Have Appreciate
1: a it. Today. You got it, man. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. We'll be back to wrap up our number one next.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: And we're brought to you each and every day by these great partners of ours, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you, you really just can't shop right at all. I mean, it's so simple. By Ducks, Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery so many games to play but you can't win until you actually start playing dc's little capital x Son. oh go find that true soul food deli tucked away in the corner best cheeseburger ever and by cajun chef do yourself a flavor turn up the taste with all of cajun chef's products including their incredible hot sauce
0: don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, boss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we uh, went a little lengthy with Wilson Alexander because I found it very, very interesting. So we're going to wrap up this thing right now, get ready for hour number two, where we shift our focus to the guys that get paid to play uh, the NFL. Ross Jackson will join us to talk about the Saints. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, get his thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft. How many quarterbacks are going to go in the top five? May May not be as many as you think, according to some, Late Intel. So we'll have those stories and much, much more. Our number two, The Jordy Helpert Show, coming your way right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Fighting Tigers of LSU and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. <laughs> Ah, hour number two of two, and away we go on this beautiful Chamber of Commerce Thursday, April 20th, the year 2023. We'll talk a lot of NFL draft opportunities here in this hour, but first, my producer, James Mesh, back in the FCO Development Studios, EFCO Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. That's where you'll find... Delta Media and KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette, head west on I-10 to Lake Charles, where we're on KLCJ 1041. We're streaming everywhere around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Just ask your Alexa to play 1037 the game, and it will. Um, and if you're in the in Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3. And 133 on LUS Fiber. One week from today, the always anticipated NFL draft this year in Kansas City. When, when's New Orleans going to get the gig? Everybody would love to be there. Every reporter. Eh, eh, oh, it, it's got to be soon. It's got to be soon. Um, he covers the Saints and does a tremendous job on his platforms, the Locked On Network um now with uh the saints news network and many many he's got more pieces to his puzzle than any person i know the great ross jackson kind enough to join us i don't know how you keep track of everything i just glad you kept track that you were coming on our show today thank you ross how are you
4: <laughs> oh man hey look i'll never i'll never miss an opportunity with the jordy hall play. don't you worry about that glad to be here with you buddy oh. doing well thanks for having me
1: on all right. Well, let's just let's just end this interview real quick with the 29th pick in the twenty twenty three NFL draft. The New Orleans Saints select. What do you think? I'm a big Wait, let,
4: let yeah. Me, I'm a big let, fan let's... of a couple of different defensive tackles uh, in this class for them at twenty nine. Uh, you want me to go ahead and uh, name them off? I can. Yeah, give, give me some names. <laughs> you got it. So, Michigan defensive tackle Mozzie Smith is a really really solid player. Six foot. Three, three 315 to 320 pounds. Uh, I think that he carries the frame as a bit of a run stopper and a, a plug in the middle, but he has some real untapped pass rushing uh, potential there. You think about who he had over on each end uh, during his career early on with Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson over on one yeah. side. He had another premier pass rusher over on the other side. Both those guys, you know, top 100 selections in the NFL draft. And so last year in 2022 was really the first time he got an opportunity to flex the muscle of being a pass rusher, and he did so extremely well. So I think he's got a little bit of untapped potential there. Uh, but also has a ton of opportunity to be able to continue to develop into a better run stopper as well, even though he's already got a good head start there. So I like him. And I also like Clemson's Brian Brissy, another uh, fantastic defensive tackle. That's just a quintessential three tech interior pass rusher, big time disruptor, six foot five, 300 pounds, uh, moves really well, very athletic, really the Saints kind of guy. Let
1: me ask you a question. Um, I understand the need an interior defensive lineman. But if you look at the NFL, how often do teams really, truly run the football as compared to throwing the football? So to me, if there's a great interior defensive lineman and there's a great eggs rusher, I go for the eggs rusher. I want to be able to affect the quarterback in plays where they're going to be throwing the ball more than they run the ball. Is that Does that make any sense whatsoever?
4: It it makes sense, but, but we shouldn't reduce defensive tackles to just being run stoppers. And so if you can get a premier pass rusher as an interior defensive lineman where you can most efficiently and most quickly impact the opposing passer by getting pressure right in his face, right up the middle, you jump at that opportunity as well. So I do think you're right. You look at the defensive tackle position in this year's class, it's really, really deep. But the pass rushers at the position are early in the draft. Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan, Jalen uh, Carter out of Georgia, Kalijah Cansey out of Pittsburgh, and then, of course, Brian Brissy out of Clemson. Those are your premier pass rushers at the position early on in the draft. And so I do think that if you have, especially the Saints style of roster, hey, look, defensive tackle or edge rusher, I put them both maybe as within the top three of their needs going into this year's draft, and they're only separated if you believe that guard is something that the team needs to be able to address over on the offensive side. And so I agree if a guy like Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa or maybe a Miles Murphy out of Clemson, Brian Percy's teammate are there at 29, then absolutely. But if you can go... Defensive tackle, get your premier pass rusher at 29, and turn around and get a pass rusher like BJ Ogilari out of LSU yeah. or Felix Agnes, okay. DK uzama out of uh, Kansas State. I think you're in a good position to do that at 40. Then that's a really, really strong way to open up your draft with your first two selections.
1: What if, uh, what if here comes number 29, and you've got the aforementioned defensive lineman there. You've got the best tight end on the board there. And you got that running back from Texas. Let's just take a hypothetical. And B. John Robinson, for somehow, some way, he's still on the board. What the heck do you do now, Ross Jackson? Oh,
4: you take B. John Robinson and you sprint. I mean, you run away (laughs) and and you go and hide in Mexico because you just got away with robbery. I mean, if you can get B. John Robinson at 29, you absolutely do that. He's one of three blue-chip prospects in this year's class. Because I rule out the idea of blue chip when it comes to quarterbacks. You have to wait and see when they get into the NFL. But guys like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and B. John Robinson, and understand Jalen Carter, of course, comes with an asterisk because of all of his off-field stuff, but his on-field play is that of a blue chip prospect. So if a guy like B. John Robinson falls to you at 29, you take him and, and you hide uh, before somebody comes and takes the pick away from you because I think that's a huge Thanks. opportunity for them. I don't bite when it comes to tight end, because I think it takes too long for a tight end to transition in the NFL. And so that's a 2024-2025 okay. impact pick. Um, and everything that the Saints have done so far this offseason has told you that they want to win right now and that they want to compete within their division here in 2023. So I think you, you don't go tight end. But if Bijan Robinson is there at 29, it's hard to pass up.
1: If the Saints love him that much, is he worth Putting together some kind of a package to move up to assure that you have the chance to get him.
4: I think maybe if he falls into twenty, maybe if he falls into around the twenty-five range, you start having that conversation. But if he's falling a twenty-five, okay. he might fall to twenty-nine. So I think with with especially because of the risk that the inherent risk that comes with the investment of a of a running back in the first round. I think you wait for to see if he falls to you, and then if he doesn't, then you go with your other plan, which is that of a defensive tackle. But it's all going to depend upon how the how the Saints' draft board is. You know, Mickey Loomis mentions uh, all the time about you know the potential of like that they never really rule out trading down; they just don't do it because they're not getting the value that they're looking for and things like that. So there's a lot of different things this team could do, uh, but I think you're you're waiting to see if B. John Robinson makes it to you as opposed to making a move for him.
1: The chances of that are slim and none. And I think yeah, Slim is just guy. about walk, walking out the door on that one. Uh, Ross Jackson <laughs> with us. Uh, you need a running back. Is there value? Uh, is there going to be a, a, a running back maybe in their third pick, fourth pick that uh, you think can make an impact?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that there's a chance with the second pick, if a guy like Alabama's Jameer Gibbs is there, I'm, I'm really curious to see where he is on on the Saints' radar in Good. terms of his ability. Yeah. You think about a guy that could come in and be, you know, a run-after catch threat that you can use in the backfield and uh, out of the slot. You have an aging running back room right now, quote unquote. Right, we we kind of call right. the cutoff for running backs at 30. At the beginning of the season, you're staring down 30. Uh, both Alvin Kamara and uh jamal williams and so you know you get a guy like um a guy like Jameer gibbs who could potentially be the future for you at the position at 40 i I think that's worth the investment um outside of that you look for you know names like tajay spears uh, the saints pick at 71 in the third round they might need to make a move to do that but they did that for alvin Kamara in 2017 they moved up to 69 in the third round to get him thanks to a trade with the san francisco 49ers uh, you can wait a little bit longer. Kendra Miller, the running back out of TCU, who's a very you know athletic, versatile uh, player. Um, you look at Chase Brown out of uh, out of uh, if I remember correctly Illinois. Uh, he's an all around, do it all type of back. Those guys can be found in the fourth, fifth round. This is a really, really good uh, running back class. So you can you can go early for the guy that you really, really love if he's high enough on your board. But if you wait around, you're still going to get good value there.
1: Perfect scenario in Ross Jackson's mind. You mentioned the defensive tackle from Michigan with the 29th pick. Let's go to the 40th pick in your perfect world. What would the saints do?
4: Well, it would require a little bit of a change to, to some of their tendencies, here, but my favorite edge rusher in this class is Felix and Udike Uzama, the edge rusher out of Kansas State. Now, the Saints haven't drafted a Big 12 prospect since Tavon Rooks back in 2014, uh, and wow. he's a little bit undersized in terms of what they really like. So, what I'll mention here is that maybe you go Mozzie Smith at 29. If Jameer Gibbs is on the board at 40, I love that. Or you, can, and then you can wait until 71. Wow. Uh, in the third round to address edge rusher, you can get a long athletic edge rusher like Isaiah Foskey or Keon uh, Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Isaiah Foskey would be coming out of Notre Dame, uh, a, a team that we've seen the Saints really appreciate in in the draft in terms of their ability, those players' abilities to mm-hmm. translate to the NFL. And so I think if you if you start off this draft with the first three selections as Mozzie Smith, Jameer Gibbs, and Isaiah Foskey, I think you're in a really really good spot, and I would consider that pretty close to a perfect scenario in terms of what's realistic. Uh, for New Orleans.
1: Interior defensive lineman running back eggs rusher. I- I'm for it. I- I'm all for it. Um, later on uh, it- and the Saints have been a team that has seemed to strike gold with later picks. Um, do they go for best athlete available? Do they try and hit a certain position? What do you think they do with their later picks?
4: Yeah, the Saints' tendency is usually not to focus too much on position, although they will always take need into consideration when necessary. But when it comes to what you could potentially have in day three of this draft, there are a lot of really good athletes. Uh, City So out of eastern Michigan, it's a small school, and he's a Canadian-born prospect, so that feels right up the Saints alley. Uh, He's an offensive lineman um, guard uh, who comes in with great size, great athleticism, highly scoring in terms of athletic scores and things like that as well, which we know the Saints absolutely love. And so I think yeah. that that's a, a potential player to watch City. So out of Eastern Michigan, um, Jartavius uh, 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 Martin, uh, or Quan Martin is, 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 his, is his nickname, really athletic, free safety that can play that split safety role and play down in the box in the slot, kind of similar to what Marcus May was asked to do. Not, not exact, but similar what he did back in 2022 um great size in terms of just being outside the threshold hyper athletic jumping 44 inches and an 11 foot one inch broad jump at the combine really explosive wow. which shows his wow. ability to be able to make a break on the football if the ball is near him and he's even at a standstill he can get the ball and if the ball's near him he's going to make a play on it so he's really nice there and then all the way down to the seventh round a guy i really like is Michigan State linebacker uh, Ben Van Someren, uh, you know, two six foot two, two hundred and forty, two hundred and thirty pounds, ran a four four five um, at the at the combine, or excuse me, at his pro day in terms of his forty time, forty plus inch vertical, ten foot eleven inch broad jump. I mean, just incredibly explosive, incredibly athletic. Reminds me a lot of Caden Ellis as a guy that yeah. maybe you know comes into to the NFL needs to work on his instincts, just needs more experience, things like that. He's a former right. running back, hence all the speed that he's got. Uh, and, you know, is a a really good pass rusher as well. So there's a lot that I like about him, and the Saints could potentially invest in another seventh-round linebacker just to see how it works out. If nothing else, you've got a core special teamer there.
1: He does the research. He knows what he's talking about. Um, If you had the number one pick in the draft, who would you take?
4: C.J. Shroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. That's easy. I I love uh, C.J. Shroud. I think he's he's one of those guys that's a safe pick at quarterback, Uh, that still gives you a a ridiculous ceiling. Uh, What plays and translates in the NFL? Accuracy. And he is the most dead-on accurate quarterback I've seen in the past few years in terms of the the draft classes. And he can spin it as well. So I love what it is that he's able to do. He doesn't have the big time, the big old arm like uh, Will Levis has, but he has an arm. And I I really like what he's able to do, and I like – that program's ability to translate players to the next level. If CJ Shroud was out of the question, though, Anthony Richardson, I would bank on that ceiling. Especially if I'm a class, if I'm a, a, a team that needs a real jolt in my system, I would still even go Anthony Richardson before I would go Bryce Young.
1: I mean, that's very, very interesting. We'll see. Carolina will be on the clock first. Um, how many quarterbacks go in the top five?
5: I think there's a good
4: chance we see four of them, um, and uh, uh, or excuse me, I, I think there's a good chance we see three of them in, in the top five. That would be uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then of course um, Anthony Richardson. I'm really, really curious to see where Will Levis lands, though. Me I mean, last year we came into this class looking at players a lot like Will Levis and saying, will they, won't they, in terms of the first round? And only one of them went in the first round. So I'm curious to see what happens uh, with Will
1: Levis and where he ends up uh, playing in 2023. You know, if Hendon Hooker hadn't gotten hurt, he may yeah, have been be right easy. there at the top of the board. You know what I mean?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an outstanding prospect. And I still think that quarterback is a spot that the Saints could pay attention to. I just don't know that it's at 29.
1: You're the best. Um, thank you so much, Ross, of uh, of every network known to mankind. We appreciate your time, <laughs> man. <laughs> Take care of yourself, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Right back at you. Appreciate you. Talk to you here soon. All right. That is uh, the great Ross Jackson. He is very, very good. That's the local approach. We'll get the national approach from Frank Schwab later on. Uh, but we need to take a break, and we'll do so right now.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back, and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text Rodeo to three three seven two eight three eighty one hundred. That's Rodeo to three three seven two eight three eighty one hundred. 283 The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 22nd and April 23rd. You can see all the excitement, bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Text Rodeo to 337-283-8100 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: We're back 23 minutes after the hour. Still to come, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, more on the NFL and the upcoming NFL draft. Right in between all of this is the NBA uh, with uh, several games on tap today. 76ers at the Brooklyn Nets. Philly leads that series two-zip. Sacramento Kings with a two-zip lead over the Golden State Warriors. They take that series and it resumes tonight in San Francisco. And the Suns and Clippers tied at a game apiece. They head to... Uh, LA, uh, where the Clippers share the building with the Lakers. The Lakers lost last night by 10 to the Grizzlies. And, um, the, the funny episode in that was, um, the poking of the bear, as they call it. Uh, the Grizzlies are the new, trying to be the new bad boys, the new Detroit Pistons from back in the day. And Dylan Brooks is trying to be that, that Bill Bear type of player. Um, he, he's uh he's talking all about LeBron James. LeBron had a really good game with 28 points and 12 rebounds, three assists in 39 minutes. Uh, but Dylan Brooks says, uh, yeah, he's trash talking him and doing all this and that. And he says, eh, I don't get concerned until somebody drops 40 on me. Uh he's the type of guy that LeBron in the next game will get 45 and he'll come back and poke him some more and say, "Yeah, well, eh, you know, when he gets fifty, I'll I'll shut up. That, that type of player. So Grizzlies trying to do their thing. They got the win without John ja Morant. It's a qu- it's, who knows when uh, Morant will be able to play with that right uh, wrist it situation. Um, but uh, poking the bear and LeBron, he called him old. Uh, LeBron is old, but LeBron is still really, really good. So that's, that's a series that's taking on quite uh, an interest uh, to say the very, very least. And of course, tonight, that uh, the warrior fans will be all over uh Demontis Sabonis um the center for the the Kings and you know he's the one that there's no question no doubt he grabbed Draymond Green's foot uh, and he started the proceedings um and you know I'm I, I don't think Green should have been suspended I really don't I'm not worried about his past, you know, uh, everything under this new regime with Adam, Adam Silver has always been less rather than more when it comes to to penalties. Um, game's too important. I would have I would have stuck with him and, and played with him. Meanwhile, the Warriors trying to do their thing. Um, fans of the Sacramento Kings are being told um, no cowbells will be allowed in the arena for game three, no cowbells whatsoever. So, um, no nope, in the chase center, it's not going to happen. Um, the use of cowbells by King fans at Sacramento home games has been a thing since Los Angeles Lakers head coach, Phil Jackson called Sacramento a cow town in the early two thousands. So they won't be able to do that. They won't. Uh, if they win though, I guarantee you, uh, Sacramento's arena, they'll, they'll light the beam and send that laser beam up to the sky, which has become their their mantra. So um, big story, Draymond Green suspended. Uh, apparently the uh, Warriors are livid over this, and, and um, they're hoping that it will unify them, it will mobilize them. They will rally around their guy who Steve Kerr says, we don't win any championships if we don't have Draymond Green. So there you go um it happened like seven years ago game five of the NBA Finals he got suspended he got had to serve a band when the the Warriors were playing they were up three to one at the time um and they ended up losing that series so we'll see what happens tonight but it's going to be fascinating theater uh and drama and it's going to be a lot of fun according to sources. Team says we are livid. We paid the price already when Green was ejected in game two. We get that. No problem there. But this suspension was unnecessary. So we'll see how the Warriors respond to this thing. It's the biggest story out there. Um, And Draymond Green, you love him if he's on your team. You despise him if he's not. He's just that agitator that guy but he has got a high basketball iq and they are the warriors are a much better team when he's out there playing there is no doubt whatsoever about that so um we shall see we shall see um okay we'll take a time out here quick segment i want to get to frank schwab more of his thoughts on the upcoming Uh, NFL draft, what the contract for Jalen Hurts does to Lamar Jackson's thoughts, hopes, and wishes. And could Tom Brady possibly, possibly be thinking about playing football again in South Beach? That's next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We're brought to you by our great partners each and every day ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just really can't shop right at all. By Duck Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Get that dryer vent cleared out. Um, and save your uh, dryer, cut back on your electricity bill. Uh, By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser, laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. It really works. By the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you actually start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon. I at the Henderson Cecilia exit. Um, everything under the sun inside the building. Nicest staff. They've got that true soul food deli in the corner. Best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. Yes. And by Cajun chef. Oh, my goodness. For literally 90 years now, a family run tradition in St. Martinville. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the flavor with Cajun chef hot sauce and all their products.
0: The Geordie Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best.
2: This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects
0: to it. Geordie has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest the best nickname the blonde bomber is cool as hell i agree all right let's play ball back to only the best on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: all right we are back it's about 35 minutes after the hour on this thursday april the 20th at this time next week will be um, highly anticipating the NFL draft, which is a week from today. Frank Schwab covers the NFL. He covers everything for Yahoo Sports, and he's kind enough to join us. Frank, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Hey, good. What's going on? Uh, well, the draft, and it looks like uh, Washington finally got rid of their owner, huh? So um, it's just a question of signing on the dotted line. $6 billion? Really? <laughs>
5: I mean right we just skip past 5 like it went from the Broncos going for 4.65 billion and then we just skipped 5 billion and went to 6 uh, a little bit over 6 for the commanders and to me honestly the price tag paid for that and multiple bidders willing to pay roughly that price tells me how bad Daniel Snyder was honestly everybody knows that this is one of the 10 most valuable franchises sports franchises probably in the world i mean I guess if you start adding some of these soccer clubs, maybe it gets pushed out of the top ten, but the real estate that the Washington Commanders hold and the market they're in makes out one of the most, what should be one of the most profitable franchises in sports. And Daniel Snyder's got to run it into the ground. And I just hope, you know, I know a few Commanders fans who have said, I, I just won't root for this team anymore until Daniel Snyder sells. I, and I've never seen that before. Like, I wrote about this last week. You know, kind of who you root, like, hey, people there you're an LSU fan because you were born in Louisiana or a Saints fan or Pelicans because you're from New Orleans and that's the local NBA team. You don't switch usually. I mean, most fans will stick right. it out with their team no matter how bad they are. And I have multiple right. Commanders fans basically say, I can't with this team anymore. This owner is so deplorable that the product on the field is so bad, I just can't do it until he sells. And now I feel good for them that, that – finally yeah. their franchise being run by an adult and maybe they can have, start to have some success off the field or on the field, but at very least get rid of the embarrassment off the field. I think it's a great fresh start. And you have to assume that the NFL owners are just thrilled to be done with the Daniel Snyder. era.
1: You, you think of bad ownership and the two names that come to time, come to time are Donald Sterling, the old Clippers owner banned for life from the NBA and Daniel Snyder. I mean, who wears the who? Who's the worst of the worst? <laughs> I, I I think
5: it's Snyder. I, I just you know I mean they're both bad in so many ways. It's hard to be like not <laughs> yeah. saying that Donald Sterling is the worst owner ever because of all the horrible horrible things that came out about him, but Daniel Snyder just every single possible box you could check for being a bad sports owner boxes we didn't even fathom. we couldn't even know existed. I never thought about an owner lying to the other owners about revenue so he could he doesn't have to share it all. Like I mean stuff like that or That's crazy. keeping money from season ticket holders on their deposits. Or some of the stuff Daniel Snyder did was just so ridiculous. It's almost like it's almost like it was like a challenge for him to come up with new ways to be terrible. I mean, so I think Snyder's the worst. I I do think in the modern era Of sports, uh, the four major professional sports, he is the worst. He is the worst sports owner, and again, I mean, you could just see that by how he took a franchise that had some great history, unbelievable fans, Uh, again, great real estate, great market, ever. Everything you could want, like, you are stepping into a perfect situation as a sports owner if you buy the Washington Commanders. And he screwed it all up and turned it into a laughing stock. And, uh, yeah, that, that to me, puts him at the bottom of the list for for owners all time. But, I mean, hey, if you want to tell me Donald Sterling, or Mark Schott, or some of the really, truly horrible people who own sports teams are worse, uh, look, I, I'm not going to sit and argue for with you too long.
1: Uh, Frank Schwab with us. The draft coming up next Thursday in Kansas City. Um, this is when you, the rumors and uh, all these things start flying. And yeah, okay, Bryce Young's going to be number one, and CJ Stroud is uh-huh. dropping down. Anthony Richardson moving up. Will Levis is moving up. Oh, these coaches are going to go for the sure thing. They're going to go for defensive players like Will Robinson and and uh, Stroud from Georgia. I, who knows, right? How many quarterbacks do you think go? maybe in the top 5 this year.
5: You know, and it's funny to see how this the the constant attention to the draft I think has created this false sense of news, right? Like we we thought all offseason that it's going to be quarterbacks at least number 1 and 2. Now we're getting closer right. to draft and all of a sudden it's like there's some shift Who uh, know the Texans are going to go Will Anderson at number two. You know, I cover, uh, you know, the, the stuff from the betting angle, too, and, and Anderson is a betting favorite right now to go number two. And really? it just creates, like, any little news nugget creates this, like, ripple effect. where like, oh, my God, the whole draft has changed now. So I don't know what to think. <laughs> I think it's, it's a really unpredictable draft because, I mean, to be honest, it's not a great draft. It's there's some good players. There's going to be some good players that come out of it from all the rounds and all the positions. But right now, as you look at it, it doesn't have the pop uh, of a lot of drafts. And so that just makes it unpredictable because there's no consensus on a lot of these guys and teams could look at this player or that player a totally different way than somebody else would. And somebody who normally wouldn't be drafted in the top 10 of a quote-unquote stronger draft goes in the top 10 of this one. So, We'll see. I, personally, with the quarterbacks, I, it would shock me if three of them aren't taken in the top four because we know number one is going to be Bryce Young, at least unless we're really being snowed on that one. Right. I can't right. imagine. I just as I sit here, I, I guess I, I kind of understand the mindset of the Texans passing on a quarterback, but I still need to see it to believe it. So I think they get a quarterback, and then the Indianapolis Colts simply need to draft a quarterback. Like I, I can't imagine that that it that at some point they don't come out of the top four of the quarterback. Like it just would make no sense to me. They don't even really have a quarterback on the roster right now except Gardner Minshew. So I think that at least I think three. I think three go into top four. And then I think the fourth one, which will probably be Will Levis, although I can't be sure about that anymore either. I think he somehow gets into the top ten just because there's gonna be some quarterback needy team that just kinda of talks themselves into him
1: and some of these owners go we need to get some ticket sales so let's get a quarterback and yeah. get some excitement i mean it, it really it's the only oh, thing yeah. that moves a needle but if, if this were 20 years ago uh maybe bijan robinson who everybody raves about as a running back maybe he's drafted way up high does anybody spend a top pick on a running back anymore yeah i know it's
5: kind of changing i you know i i'll say this like i don't I don't know that you can get them up to the number one spot, but if you did want to tell me that's just as far as regardless of position, who's the best football player in this draft, if you want to make an argument it's B. john robinson i i i could i'd listen, let's put it that way. I'd probably yeah, maybe listen. put will Anderson, maybe Jalen Carter ahead of him, but I, I get it. It's just you know which team really wants to spend that kind of draft capital on a running back anymore. I hear a lot about the Falcons, and I just don't get that I'd be. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I I, it would just bore me if the Atlanta Falcons ended up with Bijan Robinson. The only team up in the top half of the first round that really makes sense for Bijan is the Philadelphia Eagles. And Mm -hmm. look, they're a team that has a loaded roster. That pick, as you well know, because it came from the Saints. That pick's kind of house money for them. Like this was this is a pick they got for trading back last year from the Saints, and I think number twelve overall right now. So why not take a luxury pick? Can you imagine that offense of Bijan Robinson? And would be the great. only way I draft a running back anymore in the top half of the first round is one if he's a just a uber prospect. I mean, we see guys come out of the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds all the time now who are competent NFL running backs. And the other way is if you're a contender already, and you're you kind of feel like we need one piece to push us over the edge. Bijan Robinson ain't pushing the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl contention. He's just not like he's a great player, but uh, no, that's not going to happen. But the Eagles, you their offense with him in it, yeah, I can see that. It's going to be very interesting to see where he goes. And honestly, the overall strength of this draft class might push Bijan up a little bit because maybe a team like the Falcons just sits there and says, "We don't think any of these guys are blue chippers." But we know Bijan is, and so let's just take the best player available. Who cares what position he yeah. plays? So going to be very interesting to see where he goes.
0: Ah, if you
1: get the wrong quarterback, you get fired. I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes. So it's so such a roll of the dice. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. I know, I know writers write headlines because they want to get clicks. They want to get attention. I saw this headline. I'm like, what? Tom Brady doesn't entirely rule out unretiring again. To play for the Dolphins. What? <laughs> I just,
5: I, I like to think of Tom Brady as a, he's a smart guy, obviously, and a self aware guy at some point for being as famous as he is and as successful as he is. He would have to know that if he comes out of retirement to play for the Miami Dolphins, like, he would just, I, we all remember how sick and tired we got of Brett Favre's act when it was just every single year was this drama of will I, won't I, will I, won't I. If Brady comes back again after retiring for two months or so, I, I really think there'd be a lot of not anger maybe, but I mean maybe it is anger. Like a lot of people would just be like, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> and he'd he'd give up a lot of the goodwill he kind of built with the Buccaneers. I think I think people started to kind of warm up to Brady. Now that he wasn't a Patriot, wasn't with the, with Belichick, and he kind of would flush that if you came back again. I mean, he made it clear. In that retirement video that he posted, like, this is it? I'm not coming back. I'm done. Just stay done. There's what's the upside to coming back to the Miami Dolphins at 46 years old? What what really is go- good is going to happen out of that? So we'll see. I, I'm skeptical. I don't think Tom Brady's coming back again. But yeah, you're right. He, he didn't exactly shoot down the idea. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll we will see where it goes from here.
1: Um, boy, oh, if I'm if I'm a a a citizen of oakland california my gosh first it's you know the 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 warriors bolt and go to san francisco okay i can still drive and get that one the raiders moved to vegas and now the oakland athletics say they're going to move to vegas by 2027 they've reached a deal to acquire a stadium site near the vegas strip what's wrong with oakland why can't they get anything done there
5: I mean, it just comes down to what all this stuff comes down to, and it's money and the stadium. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you've been to that stadium. I've been when I used to cover the Broncos. I I go there every year. That stadium stinks. Like it's probably the worst stadium in the sporting landscape right now. I mean, maybe like the Tampa Bay Rays stadium is up there. I haven't been to that one, but I've never heard good things. And but that Oakland, it's just it's just falling apart. But California is pretty much taking a stand of we're not giving you public money for stadiums. Well, Las Vegas or Nevada, more specifically, just gave seven hundred fifty million to the Raiders to build a stadium. So now that's kind of in a, in the back of everyone's mind of you know hey we can move to Vegas with a growing market and they've really embraced the Golden Knights and they've done well with the Raiders. They embrace a baseball team too and maybe we can get some public money for a new stadium. They were not getting a new stadium in California. It's just. It, they were being yeah. blocked by the Giants at some point. They weren't getting the public money. They were, like, it just wasn't going to happen. The stadium's falling apart. Nobody's going to see their games. I imagine, and I don't know this firsthand, but I'm going to take a guess that, like you said, people of Oakland probably a little upset that they moved along to San Francisco, but you can still go to the game, so it's not crushing. Probably hurt them that. The Raiders left because the Raiders are such a big part of oakland's identity I mean it was yeah. you know it wasn't the Golden State Raiders. it was the oakland Raiders that's what put them Raiders. on the map. but I get the yeah. feeling nobody's really going to miss the A 's I mean nobody goes to those games they've been a terrible yeah. franchise for how many years now they're three and sixteen right now there's you know I mean it looks like a, a couple of flies in a big bowl of oatmeal in the stadium with how few how few uh fans are in the yeah. stands are they really going to miss the A's? I mean, probably some will yeah. the diehards, but yeah, of the three that have left, I think that that's kind of the one where people are just going to say, good riddance.
1: People never been there. the the, the old basketball arena where the, the Warriors played and the baseball stadium, and they kind of share parking limits. They're right yeah. side by side to one another. It's a, and boy, they are outdated and outsourced for sure. Um, I know you deal on the on the the wagering side of things for Yahoo Sports. I mean, these NBA playoffs now. I see where Kawhi Leonard's ruled out for Game Three for the Clippers Suns. He's got a right knee sprain. They can't beat the Suns without Kawhi. Kawhi's great. We, people forgot about him, didn't they? I mean, man, oh. is he good? Oh, he's such a ball
5: player. I love watching Kawhi play, but just—I mean his his body is just—it has been breaking down for a while. I, I mean, was anybody surprised to hear this news? I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, and no, I think yeah. look—if they had either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, they could put up a fight. I thought, but not without both of them. I mean, yeah, this this just screams to me that the Suns are going to win this in five. Now, I mean, and and that, hey, look, I am uh, being based in Denver. I can't wait for the Suns Nuggets. Playoff series, if it comes to pass. Yeah. I think it'd be, as far as second yeah. round series go, that's about as good as it can get. I can't wait. These NBA playoffs are going to get really, really good once we get oh, out of some of these first the round best. matchups and get to the real uh,
1: to yeah, the teams. It is really, really good. One last one before I let you get out of here. How's my boy uh, Sean Payton doing? What's uh, what's the consensus <laughs> of the the Denverites on what he's done so far?
5: I mean, he's shaking things up. I'll tell you that. Like. I think the main thing, I mean, everybody wants to see what happens with this Russell Wilson-Sean Payton marriage. Uh, And, you know, whereas Nathaniel Hackett came in and kind of was, I don't know, maybe starstruck is the right word, but kind of just acquiesced to everything Russ wanted. Uh, Sean's not doing that, and he's made it clear Look, I'm the big ego in the room now. It's not Russell Wilson anymore. I'm the star now. And you're not having your own office here, and you're not bringing your own people around, and that's just not going to happen. He's kind of drawing this line with Russ of, it's going to change around here, and I'm the coach and you're going to listen to me. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Russell takes to that if the offense itself is conducive to Russell Wilson turning it around, because I just get the feeling like Sean Payton's looking at this, and he has never said this, but I'm doing it one year. And if I don't like Russell Wilson, we are getting rid of him because I'm the sheriff in town now and that's I right. don't care about the cap hits or anything like that it's, it's if Russell Wilson. he's got one year to prove that he can be my quarterback and we'll see so I think that that's that's basically been the focus of the entire Sean Payton era so far in Denver <laughs> and you know he comes in with this swagger and this again he's got an ego you guys know that and I'm it's not necessarily oh, even a bad yeah. thing you know you want your coach to be a little, a little cocky like that sometimes and he's come in just with this swagger like he's you know he's the, he's the new man in charge around here and what he's you know he's he's basically the voice of the Denver Broncos and I think people are a little uh, shaken up by that not a bad way but just a whoa like uh, we really haven't had a coach around here since I mean, maybe Shanahan even I, I mean uh, you know to, to uh-huh. the point where there's no question who's running the Denver Broncos right now it is Sean Payton and it's going to be really interesting to see how this all works
1: I love it Frank Schwab you're the best thank you so much for your time as always We'll see how the draft unfolds a week from today, man. Enjoy the uh, rest of your week and your weekend. Thank you. Absolutely
5: will do. Appreciate it.
1: You're the best. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Back to wrap things up with a special birthday wish to the old ball coach. Next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. That's a $15 voucher, and you will get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50.
0: Back to more of the Geordie Holberg show on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette and one Oh four, one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: I don't know about you, but I certainly had a lot of fun with today and our special guest, Leah van talking LSU baseball for the advocate, Wilson Alexander LSU football spring game, Saturday for the advocate as well. Ross Jackson, saints news network locked on saints. Um, with their upcoming draft a week from today. And it's always great talking with uh, Frank Schwab about a myriad of topics. Tomorrow is a fun-filled Friday. The regular crew shuffles in. Larry Holder with the Saints will get a live report. Michael, uh, uh, Bill Franquez, excuse me, LSU Ole Miss in Oxford. Uh, James, George Becknell and I will make some picks along the way. We'll do a whole, and George Faust, all things uh, with the Ragin' Cajuns. If today... April 20th is your birthday. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with Donnie Baseball. Donnie Matt, Don Mattingly of the New York Yankees fame is 62 years old today. He was the best coach for the Florida Gators. He was the best coach for the South Carolina Game Talks. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. Just football, football, football. They did it the right way. Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach, is 78 years young today. So thank you all for watching or, and listening, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners. Well, we couldn't do it without you, and we greatly appreciate you. I appreciate you, James Mesh, for the job you do each and every day. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Speak kind to one another and be happy. Be happy. Christ's time. With Miguez and Mesh is next. So long, everybody.